This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Monero.com Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero safely on iOS and Android too. Monero.com Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by IVPN. Resist online surveillance with IVPN, a privacy-focused audited and transparent VPN provider that accepts Monero directly. Monero.com Wallet and IVPN are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in our YAT free speech money into your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Doug and I headed off to Freedom Fest 2022 in Las Vegas, Nevada. We were happy to report yet again that it was a huge success. We served up fresh, gratuitous pour-overs this time and spoke to tons of freedom fighters about Monero, the importance of privacy, and true digital cash. Once again, thank you to Monero.com for helping fund part of our trip and the funds they provided for giveaways. It was truly a hit. Many were excited to receive a $10 Monero tip on the spot. Lots went on during this short trip. Doug participated in the Price of Money panel, which led to a very interesting panel discussion on BTC Gold and Monero with Mark Moss and Rich Chekon. Did a live Monerotopia show with Star Labs, Erica, and G. Gilder. Briefly met Andrew Yang and interviewed many different people working on unique pro-liberty projects. So please stay tuned for all the wonderful and interesting content. First up, the Mark Moss and Rich Chacon panel. The special edition of Monero Talk starts now. Okay, we are, we're not live. We're, we're not recording live, this. guys. Um, so, I wanted to bring you guys on. Uh, Mark, we spoke yesterday on the panel, but I felt like we just didn't have enough time to really get into the nitty gritty, right? We were we only were given a few few moments. Well, we were to, only given a few moments on stage, but yeah. we had like an hour afterwards. Right, that, yeah, that yeah. was the real yeah. conversation. Yeah. And I was like, shit, I wish we would have recorded this. So, trying to do that now. And then you, sir, I just met. Yeah. You're a big gold guy. You want to quickly introduce yourself? Sure. I'm, I'm Rich Checkin. I'm the president of Asset Strategies International. We're a 40-year gold buyer and seller. We're a dealer of precious metals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, keep yeah, it nice Yeah, dealer of precious metals. Okay. How's this Let me do that again. Yeah. Okay. And Mark, give, give, I feel like most people probably know yeah, you. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the second time I've been back on the show, so thanks for having me back. And uh, I was explaining that I, I became a gold bug in 2008 when the great financial crash happened. I realized that it was the fiat money system that destroyed everything. Gold seemed like the way forward. Uh, I've realized that I'm more of a sound money advocate. I advocate for not having anybody print money out of thin air. Um, uh, most of what I focus on is Bitcoin, of course. Um, I did focus on cryptocurrencies for about four years. From 2016 to 2019, I wrote a cryptocurrency newsletter. Um, but now I focus on just kind of Bitcoin, but, but really the bigger why. So the macro, uh, economic, and the geopolitical pictures as to why uh, fiat money is bad and why we need to have a system that nobody can control. Yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say all of us probably agree on what, what the why is, right? What the problem is. Uh, yeah, there's no question. So the basically you have since 71, when we broke away from the gold standard and then the dollar backed by gold, there's nobody forcing the government to balance their checkbook. So I usually give the example, we were talking about measuring things, right? And I, I wish people would stop measuring things in dollars or euro or yen and instead measure them in gold, right? Maybe Bitcoin someday, not yet. It's, I think it's speculative now, but um, eventually gold would be the standard of value, right? It's something that's true that you can measure. I, I give the example, let's we look at a table and you measure it with a one foot ruler and it's six of them, so it's six feet long. If you cut off an inch the next morning and you say measure it again, it's now six and a half feet long. Did your table grow? Is that coffee more expensive? Is the gas more expensive? Is gold more expensive? No. Your dollar, your measuring stick is a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. Your measuring device is not stable and not constant. 
These are the things that Austrian econo uh, economists talk about often, right? And, Absolutely. And that's why they talk about gold as kind of being the ultimate measuring stick. Exactly. Mark, I think you, you have a lot of knowledge in, in this area. What, what's your what's your take on that? I mean, it's a, it's a great analogy. And so it's almost like trying to build a house with an elastic measuring <laughs> stick. Exactly. It's like oh, whoever stretches it the most gets different uh, different uh, measurements, which of course you'd never be able to build a house that way. Um, the one thing I would say is that um, per the Austrian economist view, the, the, the father, uh, debatable father, is uh, Ludwig von Mises. And Mises said that uh, in economics, there's no such thing as a constant. And that means that gold, there's no such thing as a constant. The supply of gold is changing. Uh, we could use oil, we could use a basket of commodities, but we get more oil, less oil, we use some oil, we don't, we have gold, we use wheat, we have, what do we use, seashells, seashells feather, sure. whatever, right? So he said, in economics, there's no such thing as a constant. And he was, tr and he was right. Mm -hmm. Everything's relative. But now there is. So now Bitcoin, Bic well, Bitcoin has a fixed supply cap, and we could, you know, we talked about yesterday, maybe in, in 120 years, they might add a telemission or something like that. But as of today, there's some, we do have something that has a fixed supply that is a constant. And so uh, he was right that we had, there was no constant in economics, but there is now today. So I think that changes things. Now to the other point that you made real quickly, um, money is, an, is emergent. And so money is a medium of exchange. So we, what we, we don't want money. I want food and I want energy, right? I want goods and services. Money is the medium of exchange that allows me to get what I want because barter, it doesn't work, it doesn't scale. And so uh, money becomes emergent. And so um, you and I are using rocks and they're using seashells and eventually we find something. So gold emerged as the best because it had the, the attributes of what money is, right? Portable, yeah. divisible, Aristotle, durable, yeah. sellable, et cetera, right? I, I notice you always skip over fungible on that one. We'll get into that. Of course, fungible, fungible as well, right? Oh, no, I don't skip over that. It's probably one of the top five. Fungible, okay. fungible is in that as well. Okay. Um, but what I would say is that um, it's also, there's an evolution as it emerges. And so mm -hmm. to the point you made, um, it's not a good unit of account. Yeah. And so really what happens is something starts as a collectible. Oh, this is a really cool rock. Um, and then enough people start collecting it that it becomes a, it could become a store of value, which today we see the rich people putting their, their wealth into cars and fine art, right? Now, if it has enough of the qualities of those five main attributes of money, it could evolve to a medium of exchange. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, if enough people use it, it could evolve into a unit of account. So there's this uh, evolutionary process. Right now, today, the dollar is the unit of account. It just is. It's, it's the reserve currency of the world. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible unit of account, but it Agreed. is. Um, so anyway, I just point that out. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Now, I, I would just say that, you know, granted, there's nothing constant. Gold has been the most constant uh, measure of worth that we've had for a very, very long time. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm a gold guy, but I have Bitcoin as well. I got in very early, um, very happy, but I don't know what Bitcoin will be. I don't know that Bitcoin knows what it will be when it grows up. It's a 13-year-old saying it, 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 it's full of doubt and, you know, uh, whatever. Um, when we decide as users what Bitcoin will do, then it may become that store of value someday. It's been touted as the new gold. It's not acting like it. Um, it's been touted as a form of money, medium exchange. There's not enough, um, I guess, uh, adoption worldwide for that to be the case just yet. Uh, what we are seeing it act like is a tool of speculation. People are getting into it from a greed standpoint, and that's why you're seeing these wide swings. Um, it's still way too early. I still think it has a place in the portfolio right now as a speculation. Um, someday it may evolve to something else. It's just not there yet. I will say this, one of the things that, that got me even paying attention to Bitcoin, uh, we did a Bitcoin versus gold debate with Erica Gemma, who you know, um, a few years ago. And it was one of the things she said that, you know, people come for the Lamborghini and they stay for the revolution. And that is what got me hooked on. There's something more here than a medium of exchange, a store of value or anything. This is something that is getting young people thinking about real sound money. And that alone is worthwhile for this to be successful to me. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of things to, to pick apart there. I just want to go back to, you know, this idea that now we have something that you know is is that measuring stick, and and it, and it's Bitcoin. So the Austrian economics always said that everything essentially was always relative. You know, commodities are always relative. But uh, I, I said a constant, something that's constant that yeah. doesn't change. Constant, constant. So uh, 
This is where, you know, I think there's there's confusion or kind of a, a misconstruing as to what the, you know, the, the, the breakthrough was with crypto and Bitcoin in particular. I personally, you know, in, in my understanding of it, is that the, the 21 million cap really wasn't the essence, right? I'm sure you you would agree that it would have been fine if it was a hundred million cap or any any other cap, and 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 really not even just Me, meaning that the 21 was an arbitrary number and it could have been 41 or 61 sure, or sure. 19 right. or whatever. Right. And I mean, it has to, it has to do with the evenness of the numbers because the the having cycles and whatever. But to your point, sure, it could have been right, 21 that, or 51 or 91. But the point is, is there's a known quantity. There's a cap. Right. And well, that's where I would. Dis I, I don't think it's the cap that that's really you know, the most interesting or vital part of it. I think it's that the emission schedule is known and predictable, right? And so that's what gold offers, right? Yeah, uh, but, uh, but, and, but it, and that's what, what Bitcoin offered in digital form, this predictable supply. You're not, you're not waiting for the Fed to, to I, decide I, how, whether or not I, they're going to be adding to the supply or not. I, I mean, I, I disagree. What, what's, what, what, the, what the revolution was is, it, 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 it uh, created, the, for the first time, digital scarcity. That wasn't the revolution. Well, the revolution, there, there, I mean... There, there's a lot of pieces of the revolution, but back to the point that we're making, and if we're going to try to talk about this point, yeah. of, of there has never been a, uh, there's never been uh, a fixed supply or in, in economics, to, to what I said uh, Mises talked about. Sure. And so gold has been the best over 5,000 years, to the point you made, and it has a predictable supply schedule. It has about a 1.5% inflation rate, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we know what that inflation rate is. It's been 1.5% over 5,000 years, right? So it's predictable, kind of like a Monero or, or, or Ethereum or whatever. Um, they have this predictable supply uh, increase. But I'm talking about a constant that doesn't change. And so... You're talking about a cap, right? You're talking about I'm a talking cap. I'm talking about a constant. It doesn't, right. it doesn't but it does change. change. Even the supply changes of Bitcoin because you're losing Bitcoin over time, right? So it's not constant in that regard. So well, we there, but there will never be more than 21 million, regardless of how many are moving around or changing hands right. all the time. Think about it like a stock, for example, right? So in order to get a, to get a valuation of a stock, you would get a market cap. Yeah. So you take the price of the stock, multiplied times the amount of stock available, yeah. gives you a market right. cap. But if there's no, no number on the supply of the stock, then there's no way to get a market cap. Right, a con it needs a constant. There's no cap. constant. So right. I, I, the only thing I was saying is about Mises' quote, there's never been a, the, a constant economics, and, and he was true, but today there is, and so there's a flick supply cap. Yeah. Which I would, what I would say, I disagree with that, right? Well, I, I, I do, think. I how think, do you disagree that there's not a fixed supply? There's a, no, there there's is a fixed supply. Right. He just doesn't think that's the revolution. That's not the revolution. Oh, the I'm not saying it's the revolution. The, the, I'm saying the, per Mises' quote, there's never been a constant, and now there is. Yeah. And I hope you don't mind, but this is this is good stuff. I think this is where we need to push no, I back. I don't, I don't mind. Because I think a lot of, uh, you know, the draw to Bitcoin is this number go up mentality and there's only 21 million and we got to keep... And it, it's a great meme for getting the word out and getting people excited about Bitcoin. Uh, but the, the real invention was digital cash, right? A peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. And when you read the Satoshi white paper, he talks about what was essentially what the breakthrough was, and that was solving the double spend spend problem, right? And creating digital scarcity, but not meaning that that scarcity has to be strictly limited in supply, just that nobody can create more out of thin air. Um, that well, you that's, could, that's, that's where that, the abuse that, comes. That, right, that's, that's, that's where that's the abuse. That's certainly part so of it. So whether you had a 21 million cap or a 40 million cap, or you have you know, a supply that's constantly being emitted over time, I, I, you're still achieving that. I agree with what you're that. saying, so we yeah. agree, but I, I think there's, we need to split it into two segments. So, uh, one, not having the ability for anyone to create more of it and knowing what the supply increase is gonna be. So there's that and, and there's something to that for sure. So yeah. we all agree on that. Yeah. That goes back to the gold standard. Yeah, we know that gold increases by 1.5%. If you wanna get more, you have to use real capital to get it. So mm -hmm. not having the ability to print it from thin air. So there's something there, 100%. But there's something else, which is no constant in economics, but now there is with the fixed supply cap. So th those are two separate issues. But does that second one, is that second one possible and does it, does it come with risks? Are there, were there, you know, if it was a design decision that was made and maybe it wasn't even cognizant, maybe Satoshi wasn't even cognizant at the time of what the risks are, but do you, do you see there being risks with that or is it all good is, is there no well, reason the 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 potential risk that people are afraid of is it is right now the miners that secure the network and process transactions earn 
uh, rewards in two ways. So they're economically incentivized, which we both agree proof of work is necessary for that economic incentive. Uh, same with gold yeah. as well, right? So uh, if you, in gold, same, same deal. Um, so if I spend the CapEx and the time and the energy, um, I get a return on that. Um, and what the fear is that I think you're alluding to is that if there's no um, inflation, then the miners will eventually run out of economic incentives to continue to process transactions on the network. And so right now they earn in two ways. So one, they get uh, fees from processing transactions. The other way is that they get new Bitcoin that are mined, right? And so the fear is in 120 years, when the, there's no new Bitcoin to be mined, uh, will the fees be enough to incentivize them to continue to secure the network? And uh, we can see the way that the fees have trended over time and the percentage of the amount of money miners make from that, it looks like it will work, um, but we won't know. In 120 years, we will know. Uh, based off of what we can see today, we think it will work. Um, in 120 years, maybe it doesn't, and we'll have to figure that out, but it's a, it's a long way away. None of us are gonna be alive for that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I just, this is where I find hypocrisy in, in, in some of the Bitcoin maximalism, because I feel like they're very much concerned with the security of the network, as they should be. That's like the most important thing. Yet, now they're willing to sacrifice security for the 21 million cap. How, like, how is it a sacrifice? Well, because you, I mean, I think, would you, would you say that you're completely certain that Bitcoin's future security is guaranteed Oh, there's, no, the there's no guarantees in life. There's no guarantees. So you would say that. But yeah. the way that right. the way that I approach things, and I think we, everyone should approach things, is there's 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 possibilities yes. and there's probabilities. Right. So everything's possible. Aliens could come destroy the world tomorrow. Right. It's possible. Is it probable? Not really. So, uh, but there's a there's a large sector, very intelligent people that are looking at this that see there is a probability that it may not work. Uh, there's a probability. Like, like Peter Todd, for example. Uh, there, there is a probability, but uh, the base case for myself and most people is that it will, based off of what we can see today. So knowing what we know today, looking at the way that it's, it's ramped up, it looks like it will work, but it's a problem that will come in 120 years. And so if things start changing, so let's say, for example, we're 40 years in or 50 years in, we're halfway through the 100, we're 60 years in, and we can see that, well, shoot, it looks like the fees are, are going down, and you know maybe that's a problem that we should address. But as of today, it looks like it'll be good. But it doesn't. But as I'm saying, there's a lot of people that say it doesn't look like it's going to be good, like because they're saying you know the 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 vast majority of security is coming from the block reward and not transaction fees. And it, transaction fees are just an extremely small percentage of it, and it's not really growing much. And then with the idea that all transactions are going to move to the second layer. It, it starts to, you start to wonder where all these transactions are. So we can wonder, and we can speculate, and we can sit here all day talking about possibilities. Uh, it looks like it will work. I think it will work. And to your point, there are people that think it won't. Mm -hmm. There also are people that think it will. Uh, and we'll find out in 120 years. But you're saying it's, it's willing, it, it's... Do you know the date? Can I put that on my day plan? <laughs> well, it's, uh, we, we, I mean, we do know the date, right? Uh, yeah, no, uh, there's a new kidding. block every every 10 Understood. minutes. Understood. And so you can just extrapolate that out, right? Gotcha. But, but the, the, fear is, the fear is that the it's going to come to fruition a lot sooner than that. Uh, once once the reward gets small enough. It could, it could. Yeah. So, so what happens is the new supply of Bitcoin being released is cut in half every four years. And so what, what could happen, to, to your point, is maybe in 20 years from now, or it could happen sooner. Um, let's say that the price of Bitcoin were to keep going down. Let's say it drops to two or 3,000, and the new supply issuance also is dropping in half. Maybe, maybe at some point sooner, there's not enough money for the miners to be economically incentivized to continue to mine. So we could come to a problem sooner, theoretically, right. we could. And so ultimately, and this is where, you know, I but, but, but I but I would but I would throw it back. So Monero has this uh, tell tell emissions, right? So they have this inflation that's baked in, but it could also be the same problem. So let's say Monero drops to $3. Would that be enough money to incentivize the miners? And so we, you know, bo both of them would probably have that same risk. Uh, the one is that Bitcoin stops and Monero would keep going, but both would be at risk if the price of either asset were to drop so low that the miners wouldn't be incentivized to do it. Yeah, if the, if the price goes to zero, yeah, and then all these things fall apart. Right, so Bitcoin and Monero have the same risk. Yeah. The only difference in the risk would be in 120 years when it stops completely, has it been able to transition over? No, I wouldn't, I, well, I wouldn't agree with that. I, I, think, the, I think you're going to start to see the risk uh, come to fruition sooner than the 120-year mark. And the other difference, too, is the dynamic block size. So Monero has a dynamic block size. Bitcoin has a fixed block size. 
So in Bitcoin, people are competing for, for block space and that's driving up transaction fees. In, in Monero, uh, the, the, basically the incentive is to put more and more transactions into a block. So, so fees go down over time, but the incentive there is to use, use it more and more. Whereas in Bitcoin, you almost have an incentive not to use it. You have incentive to, to hold it, and there's a large cost that comes with using it. This is it. where my question comes in. I'm a gold guy, and I, I apologize. I, I'm not as well-versed on Monero and Bitcoin. No, we, we, we want your, you know... Uh, so, so my question is, what is the end game, right? So what does Bitcoin want to be when it grows up? I've heard different let, options. Let, let, me, let me jump on that. And the same thing with Monero. So I, Monero, I think what, what we got to figure out is, what are they really going to be used for? What are we working toward? And I think that will have an impact on some of these things you're talking about, but I don't know. Because um, I know what gold first. is used for. It stores value pretty damn well for a long this, time. This is something I spent a lot of time on. Yeah. Okay, so um, there's there's been five technological revolutions. In the late 1700s was the Industrial Revolution. All And so there's new technologies like the iPhone. We take a phone and a computer, we put them together. That's cool. It, it, it improved things. A technological revolution changes the course of humanity and drives financial markets. So what do I mean by that? There's been five, industrial revolution. All of humanity, we had manpower, and now machines could do the work of 5,000 men. That changed the course of humanity because then now it freed up man hours, then we could spend time in medicine and science and technology, right? Which then led to the next industrial revolution. They happened about every 50 years. The next one was, um, was uh, steam engines and railways. Now we can move stuff around continents. Okay, that changed humanity. Then we had electricity, and steel. Now I want to stop on that one for a second because what happens with new technologies or technological revolutions I should say, well let me just tell you the rest and then I'll come back to it. So then we had uh, oil and automobiles, all of humanity we walked, now we had transportation. Then 1971 with the microprocessors which brought us telecommunications and computers, internet, etc. And now 50 years later we're witnessing another one. But what happens is when there's a technological revolution, um, like electricity for example, there's the first killer application of it. So when electricity was invented, what did they invent? What was the first killer app of electricity? Light. What? Light. A light. Well, what do we need? What, uh, what, what is this, what is this uh, electricity thing? Well, it's sort of like a, di a digital candle. What the hell do we need that for? Candles have been light for 5,000 years, and look, it's portable. Look how much better this is. Why do I need all these contraptions for light? And so it was the, the application at that time, but what more importantly what it does is it gives us a new building block to build things that we can't imagine. So steel was another invention. So steel, what the hell is it? Well, it's sort of like a harder metal. What the hell do we need that for? Well, now we could build skyscrapers and bridges. We could build spaceships. We didn't have the ability to build a spaceship because we didn't have metal or steel, right? And so back to Bitcoin, there's a first killer application and that killer application is money. Okay, but um, we try to un make sense of it. It's like, it's like a digital candle. Well, it was that, but uh, we're in this building because we have electricity today. We're doing this because we have electricity today. It gave us a building block for this. And so it, the killer application is money today, but it's given us a new building block that we can build new things off of that we have no idea of as, as, if, as of yet. Sure, I totally agree with that. Uh, but do you think the, the killer app is the cash attributes of money or the store of value attributes of money? So uh, back to what I said earlier, there's an evolution. So it starts as a collectible, evolves to a, a, a store of value, could evolve to a medium of exchange, and then could eventually evolve to a unit of account. So it could go through all of those things. So as of today, right now, um, the killer application um, is probably neither. It's not the best store of value. It just dropped from 60K to 20K. Um, and it's probably not the best medium of exchange because if I'm living in a third world country and I need to pay my, you know, buy my food next week and the price drops, that's not good for me either. So it's in this evolutionary process right now. It's like, a, it's like we're walking through a forest and we see an oak tree this big. And I'm like, hey, check it out, this oak tree. Can you imagine one day it's going to be that big? And you guys are like, oh, that's stupid. Look how small it is. It'll never be that. I'm like, well, it has the attributes to be that one day, but just give it time. So it's not today, but I think it can be in the future. What What do you see as being the what that makes crypto different than than gold? Uh, so I think you need greater adoption. I really do. I, I think it all starts with that. You know, I look back to when, not that I was around, but I look back to when gold was first discovered. It wasn't discovered in one place, and then you know somebody tweeted it and everybody found out what the hell gold was right back then to communication travel was by far beyond difficult um, yet gold was found all over the world 
and everybody like kind of simultaneously found out that this was something special and something different mm -hmm. by itself intrinsically it was something different than the rest and worth coveting holding whatever using as a medium exchange as we go through the evolution so that's not totally true though because lots of people were still using rocks and and no, shells I, I and, and cowrie beads but wherever and even, it and, was found but even, it was noted as special okay then, no, then no two ways about as it. the world eventually moved on to a gold standard and really it started it started probably back in the 1400s when the florin became the the longest lasting gold coin but even into the late 1800s when the world moved on to a gold standard china said no we're not using gold we're using silver Understood. and china lost its place in the world because it wouldn't go to gold and then finally 1920ish china had to pivot and go to gold so it wasn't universally adopted even in the 1900s china was still trying to stay with silver uh, uh, fine but Gold emerged. Everybody recognized it as something special, um, whether they started using it or not, but the world adopted it. And that adoption is what allowed it to do what it does today. Um, I don't think there's enough adoption in Bitcoin or any of the other 19,000 cryptocurrencies that are out there. And I think that is a potential hurdle for any cryptocurrency is there's 18,999 18, alternatives to consider and to look at and to see where that goes. Um, I, I really think it's we're lacking identity. Um, I would love nothing more than a private solution to fiat currency. I think governments throughout history have screwed this up time and time again. They've destroyed currencies, they've destroyed economies, and then handed the baton to someone else who is up and coming. All right, and that's gone on. And we're foolish if we think that you know we're special in the U.S. and the dollar will always be the almighty reserve currency. We're just the next one in line right now. And who's next? I don't know, China, someone. There's nobody really ready to take that baton right now. Um, so it's a good time for Bitcoin and other cryptos to be coming up. But uh, they all have a long way to go before we can get that adoption um, and see what the next reserve currency is. It could be a basket. It could be a crypto. It could be something. I don't know. Um, I, you just need further adoption. We need more time to pass before we find out what that is. Uh, I think you have an identity crisis. I really do. You got to figure out what you want to be, and then you got to work toward being that. Well, I mean, Monero wants to be digital cash. Yeah. That's what it's what it bases its design decisions on. So this idea that it's censorship resistant. I could send money to anyone anywhere around the world without anybody knowing I did it, uh, without the transactions being surveilled or tracked or traced in any way. That's Monero's focus. What would you say Bitcoin's focus is? What is what is its identity? Well, going back to what I said, right? Like, uh, like there's a killer app, an initial killer app, right? And so um, you made the case of uh, the Satoshi white paper talking about digital cash, um, just like uh, the you know electricity was invented for a light bulb. Um, so just because he created it to, to solve a digital cash solution, just like electricity was created to solve a light bulb solution, doesn't mean that's the only thing it can be used for. Um, so what would I say? I mean, the thing with Bitcoin, is, of course, it's decentralized. Love it. So there is no CEO or marketing department to say this is the identity of what we're doing. Uh, everybody can uh, approach the technology and use it as they see fit. So let me give you an example. By the way, why we need to fight CBDCs right. at every so, so, let, so, so let me give you an so example of this. Uh, first off, in the Satoshi white paper, there's no reference of the word blockchain. He used the word time chain. And the reason why that's important to understand is that we all have heard the saying that uh, uh, time is money. Uh, but money is also time. And so time puts order to things. The world naturally has disorder. With our energy, we create order. So if I build a house and leave it alone for 50 years, what happens? It falls apart. But with our use of energy, we can create order. And time creates order. It creates a, a log, right? A, mm -hmm. a ledger. And so um, now for the first time, we have this ledger that's decentralized. Nobody can control. And it adds these blocks, right? Now, what can we do with that back to these building blocks? Well, we just saw in Austin a few weeks ago at the consensus conference, uh, Jack Dorsey left uh, Twitter to go start a new company focused on Bitcoin. And he, he, he launched what he called Web5. It's kind of like a meme. But basically what they've created is these decentralized IDs. So when you log into a website today, you can log in with your Facebook or Google ID. But they own those IDs, right? So he's created where I can own my own ID decentralized. And if somebody deplatforms me, I can just point my ID somewhere else. It's an amazing breakthrough. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is where do they put that hash? Well, they had to put it into a time chain that was censorship resistant. And so they hash it into the Bitcoin blockchain. It doesn't really use Bitcoin. 
other than it uses the Bitcoin time chain to put that hash in. And so that building block has now given them a way to build something we had never imagined, which is the decentralized ID. So back to the identity crisis, nobody's setting that. Uh, Jack Dorsey's decided to spend the rest of his life building on Bitcoin and has decided to solve this ID problem using this new building block. And so I think we're starting to see lots of things come from it. Uh, we also saw it's still evolving, basically. It's still evolving, but um, I, I think uh, I think you know on top of the second layer with Bic with Lightning, uh, already we're seeing nation states adopt it and use it for payments. Uh, we saw um, NCR, uh, the largest payment processor in the world, I believe they they manage one of every six point of sale systems in the United States have adopted Lightning, and so now we can do Bitcoin Lightning payments um, all over the country in one out of six stores. So it's definitely uh, it's given a new rail to have payments go over, so it's a it's a payment network. Um, I guess it's a, right now today, it's probably more of a, a payment network, if, in my opinion, and I'm just one guy, there's other people who have different opinions, but I, I would say the identity today is probably more of a new payment rail, a new payment network that can move money uh, quickly and fast uh, across any, anywhere in the world. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm okay. saying. What do you think of the fact that, you know, Monero is starting to eat into Bitcoin's uh, use case for purposes of digital cash. So we're seeing it like on, on the dark markets, you know, a, a lot of the dark marketplaces are moving over to Monero only. Uh, the, the major ones are Bitcoin and Monero. There's definitely a trend there that Monero is starting to be the, the coin of choice for the dark markets. So in places where you actually need cash, people are starting to move to Monero. Uh, ransomware, ransomware hackers are offering a 20% discount, you know, if, if you pay the ransom with Monero instead of Bitcoin. Do you think that's uh, indicative of Bitcoin maybe not being the, the best choice for digital cash purposes? Or do you think it will swing back around to Bitcoin somehow? What, what's your... I think the question is how, how important is anonymity, right? Right, that's, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, it's like when, when you want to make a transaction in an anonymous way where it won't be tracked and traced. Sure, I mean, if I, wanna, if I want to rob a liquor store, I'll probably want to wear a ski mask, but I don't want to wear a ski mask all the time. So I might wear the ski mask at that moment, but I don't want to wear the ski mask all the time. So I suppose there's use cases for different things um, to the point that, that, that he was making earlier about the adoption. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is that I would believe I would uh, buy a... Buy a an unmeasurable margin, huge margin. Uh, Bitcoin is used as digital cash today around the world. Uh, in El Salvador, they use it every day at Starbucks and McDonald's. Uh, now today in the U.S., one out of yeah, six. Yeah, but you don't need, there's no digital cash reason there, right? Well, I'm saying in, in instances where you want to actually have the properties of digital cash, people are moving away from Bitcoin. So is that, uh, well, I what, used what to use mean? I used to use cash at Starbucks and now I could use Bitcoin, so that's a digital cash, wouldn't it be? But there's, there's no reason, right? Like, you use cash in instances where you want cash-like purposes, right? Properties. Uh, I don't have like if any you're of gonna those. Go, if you're going to go buy, buy, buy weed on the corner, you're probably going to use cash. You're not going to use Venmo, sure, right? Sure, sure. So there, right. there's and a so difference between cash and other forms of payment. So if, if you're going to go buy a, a hamburger at McDonald's, whether you use your credit card, Venmo, or cash doesn't really make sense like you're not going to say oh, i'm going to use cash for it right but i'm saying in instances where it's clear that if you i was going to go buy weed on the corner why wouldn't i be able to use bitcoin for that i'm saying you're probably not going to want to do that because the transaction is permanently so the transaction is permanently stored yeah. on, a, on a on a blockchain so they're gonna so 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 uh you know a, a great book to read you probably have i don't know if you have but uh, a great book to read is the sovereign individual it was written in 1999, but it couldn't have predicted what's happening better and, and it really projects in the future. And they talk about the return on violence. So a, a state, a nation state has to consider the return on violence, right? So um, when all the gold was in the banks in 1933, it was very easy for them to shut the banks down on a bank holiday. When they open back up, nobody can get their gold. If they had to go house to house to house on the prairie with guys with guns and collect all the gold, it never would have happened. The return on violence would be too high. So with Bitcoin, uh, hypothetically, they could uh, see that I have it. They can come to my house. There's the, we call it the $5 wrench attack. And the, the state could say, we know you have Bitcoin. And if you don't give it to us, we'll kill you. They, they, they could do that. 
um, but the return on violence would be so low, it would be, it would be almost impossible for them to do that. And uh, more specifically, for them to go, hey, this weed dealer sold a $20 dime bag, or a $20 bag, a dime bag, a $10 bag to this guy, and let's go uh, use all our power of the state to do this analysis to see that he charged $10 to buy this weed. And like the return on violence would be so low that the reality of that happening, I think, would be very would be almost impossible. And so the, the state wants the return on violence to be high, right? And so they can see the transactions they can seize the money very easily in your bank account with a button, right? They could seize your gold in the bank or whatever. Um, but to go house to house to house and try and do a wrench attack on everybody, it just doesn't work. And so uh, while, it's while it's possible, I don't see it very, being very probable. Uh, to your point, and I'll, I'll, I'll gladly admit, to your point, if I wanted to be something completely anonymous, maybe Monero is a better option for that. Um, if I need that pure anonymity. Uh, I think there's trade-offs to that. So for example, now I give you Monero, and that's a private transaction, but what do you do with that Monero? How do you turn that into food or gas for your car? I'd like to, if you want to answer that. It'd be the same, same issue with Bitcoin, right? So It, it would be, So, but I'm saying, how does Monero fix it? So, so even though my transaction to Monero was private to you, mm -hmm. now you need gas in your car. So how do you take that Monero I gave you and turn that into gas for your Somebody car? Somebody that's willing to accept Monero for gas. And right? I, I think that gets back to the adoption thing. Yeah. You know, so like I, I asked uh, a friend, uh, they, they said, oh, the Mirage went ahead and took uh, Bitcoin mm -hmm. for the room. I'm like, really? So they, you, you gave them Bitcoin for the room. I'm like, well, I, I used my Visa card and it converted it to dollars and then they took it. I'm like, so they didn't take any Bitcoin. And that that's kind of the problem. You got to get people taking Bitcoin, not something else you converted it into or not Monero yeah. or something else you converted it into. You know, that you got to get over that hurdle and got to convince a lot more people well, to do it before to, you get there. Right. But which I, is but part I think of that, that evolution. That should happen organically. You can't, you can't get anyone right? to take gold either for your room. Uh, true, true. Uh, I, I would just say, I, I, when you say get get people to do it, I don't, yeah. I, you know, it's not about you know telling. But, but also, I, I'll, I'll just add, I don't think gold is trying to be a medium of exchange right now. Right. It's trying to be sound money, the backing of something that is a medium of exchange. There's mm -hmm. a difference there. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to to hand over a ten ounce gold eagle to buy something. I'm trying uh, to get. I'd love to get our, our politicians uh, to, to be, um, what, what am I trying to say, responsible, accountable, yeah. uh, say no, balance their checkbook. Um, so there's a few nations nations today that Bitcoin is both received and spent and people aren't converting it. So you can spend the Bitcoin at a Starbucks or McDonald's and they'll hold the Bitcoin. Just need more of it. And I'm so saying. now, now we've get where Bitcoin right. Well, wants to well that, that was a year ago, and yeah. now we've seen three more nation states jump on in the last year. So now we have four nations in a year. So you know, it's pretty fast. Um, but I just want to go back to the sovereign individual thing. I, you know, this this idea that uh, what's what's the terminology? The escalation? The no, the, oh, the return on violence. Return on violence. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would argue, um, you know, that that with the concern with with Bitcoin is it's a digital permanent ledger, right? So it could be that the return on violence is 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 low right like it's that, that it becomes very feasible for a nation state to use the bitcoin ledger to track and trace and surveil everyone in a way that would be easier to do than let's say with gold right uh going around and taking you know trying to approach you know all I think, I think most gold is owned, they say, by housewives in, in, in India, right? So to go around and try to, to try to round up all the gold in the world, I think would be a lot more difficult than rounding up uh, yeah. a large percentage of all the, the, the other, Bitcoin yeah. in the world. Because like, like, sure, showing up with a wrench at each person's door, maybe not that practical, but uh, sending out a letter from, from, your, from your government of choice that comes in the mail saying, whatever, we know you have this, we need you to do this, that's not that hard to do. Yeah, they're not going to do that with gold anyway because right. gold w but, uh, is not used that way. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say, that, you know, what about if they confiscate gold again like they did in 90, 1933? My personal opinion, they're never going to do that. Gold is such a tiny market. It has zero impact on, on the dollar and anything else. The, I the agree with that, too. The, yeah, the reason they did it in 33 wasn't to get your gold. They did it to devalue the dollar. Mm -hmm. They collected all the gold. They valued the official price higher, and the dollar was devalued. And everybody said, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, now the dollar was worth less. Right. That was the goal. Um, because and, gold was still money at the time. It was and convertible. Also, also, the government yeah. needed the gold. Today, they don't need gold. My point just Agreed. being is permanent ledgers can be used against society, right? I'm sure if we talked about in terms of central bank digital currencies, we'd all agree 
that's probably a big no-no. We don't want to go down that road. It's going to be used against people. It's going to be used to surveil everyone's transactions. It's going to be used to basically create programmable money where the government can decide what you do. The Bitcoin ledger is transparent and permanent. And do you see some possibility where that can be used against people and not necessarily used by people to, cre to, to create more liberty? And yeah, freedom? so I think it's important to understand that the Bitcoin ledger is... Um, not private, to your point, like Monero is, but it's anonymous. And that's a big distinction, and, and, and it's important. And, and uh, you and I, we've you know, had, had these discussions at length, and I think there's everything in life has a trade-off. And anybody that denies that is lying. There's always a trade-off to everything. Um, and so um, there's a, in Bitcoin we say don't trust, we verify. So we trusted the government with our money and look where that got us, right? We trust them to hold our gold where they got us. So we don't want to trust, we want to verify. And so um, the ability to have a, uh, a an open ledger has enormous benefits because we can verify all the transactions. But it's anonymous, so we don't necessarily know who they belong to. Now, in the system we have today, because we're still in this fiat money system, in order for me to exchange my fiat for crypto or crypto for fiat, I have to give them my ID and it has to go into the system. So now with all their software, they can somehow tie that together. But going back to El Salvador, for example, you have kids that don't have IDs and they're earning in Bitcoin and they're spending in Bitcoin. There's no way to trace that back to them because they don't. Even, there's, no, there's no data. And so it's, an, it's anonymous for them. We'll never know who this kid is in, in El Salvador spending the Bitcoin, uh, but it's still open source. So we have the ability to verify it. So that's the trade-off that's there. Um, but in this day and age, everybody is integrating, you know, with, uh, you know, governments that are trying to grab your data. So, like, yeah. yeah, sure, there's the person that bought crypto on Coinbase and they're getting KYC to AML. The El Salvadorian kid that's, you know, got $100 worth of, of Bitcoin, maybe he didn't have to show his ID. But when he's now in interfacing with the real world and using it at some point. At his Starbucks I and McDonald's, he didn't have to show his ID. The, the trend that governments are heading in, at some point, they'll have the opportunity to attach your ID with your with your wallet. Yeah, right? I, I think. I, I mean, think, when I, I when I came here, what, what when I, I flew I, here, they wanted to. They asked me if I wanted to sign up to a program where they'll yeah. they'll take my my, what, my what eye I, scan I so I could go through the line faster. What, I mean, this is the direction things are heading. So to say, like that kid in El Salvador is is safe from ever being from his ID ever being connected to his wallet, I just think it's it's naive. I think every person's ID is going to be known by government. So a couple things I'd world. say, so I keep talking about this evolution. Yeah. And so you, you said there's not enough adoption and I agree, I, I concede we're that. On the when, yeah. when the dollar took over from the pound sterling, which was the previous uh, standard before the dollar, it was about a 40 year process, all right? And so things don't happen overnight. You don't just change what money is overnight. Gold's been money for 5,000 years and it's still being considered gold even though it really stopped being money 50 years ago, right? Yeah. So it's a it's evolutionary process. Um, what I would say to that question though is that's a very US-centric uh, or maybe even a developed world-centric viewpoint. And so um, half of the adults in the world today, half of the adults have no access to the financial system. They don't have permission to join. So. There's half the world right now that can easily move into something like Bitcoin and have no, they, they have no access to the financial system. They don't have documents. There's no one surveilling them. There's no one using them. About, about 3 billion people in the world live under an authoritarian or dictator regime. How do those people living under a dictator save money and spend today? The answer is they don't. The answer is their gold gets confiscated. Their cash gets confiscated. And so um, it's, a, it's a U.S. centric viewpoint I think that you're bringing up, which we live in the U.S. and we're yep. in the U.S., so of course we have that viewpoint, but we have to understand that the world is bigger than that. And How I think is it U.S.-centric viewpoint that you don't think governments are trying to obtain? I mean, Chivo Wallet is the wallet of choice in El Salvador. Well, and it's I've spent a lot of time in, in and Mexico and Central America, KYC. lots of time. I spent a couple months a year down there, and I can tell you there's part, most of that, the whole world could collapse and they wouldn't even know. Uh, there, there is no government involvement there. They're, they're so poor. Um, and what I would say to that is that um, we're looking at trying to change the system. And we believe, I think we all agree that the system that we're on, this fiat monetary system is, is doomed to fail and it's failing pretty quickly right now. And uh, 
what gives them their power to surveil is all this money they can create. So I see a world that we evolve past this, and maybe it's 30, 40, 50 years. I think it probably happens by the end of the decade where uh, kind of this system dies and we have this new system. And, and it's this bifurcation where um, I, don't, I don't believe that the next reserve currency is announced. Um, I believe the future is decentralized. So my reserve changes, your reserve changes, uh, and then there's this bifurcation that happens. I, I would hope you're right, but we were talking earlier, I have an, an immense fear of central bank digital currencies. Um, and this, we talked last year at Freedom Fest, and uh, I did an interview, and my quote was, central bank digital currencies were concocted in hell by Satan himself. Um, that got a little play around the internet, um, and I think it was, uh, well received by the crypto community because that's my biggest fear. I think governments are all salivating right now because the power they have over the people is the money supply. There's no two ways about it. Now you just hit that right on the head. And uh, you know, they look at the centralized cryptos and they are the decentralized cryptos and they said we can adopt this for our centralized purposes. The central bank digital currencies are not going to be decentralized. They're going to be exactly what we have now in, a, like more, fiat, but worse. in a more lethal and efficient system yeah. that they could do a number of things. They could say, you know, there's not enough velocity on the money. So you got paid, you know, $2,000, $3,000. You're not spending it enough. We're going to take it back. Uh, they can impose but, negative interest rates. They can do whatever the hell they want. The problem for them, and the good thing for us, yeah. is that you can't create money out of thin air. So they can... Tell that to Powell. <laughs> well, I know, but look where that's gotten us. Exactly. Right? And it's so horrible. we can see the law of diminishing returns in yep. 50 years. Look what's happened in 50 years. Can we get another two or three years out of it? Maybe, maybe five, 10 years, maybe. But like it's the diminishing returns, it's, it's trending down. So yeah. uh, a CBDC is just another form of fiat. It's a worse form of fiat. It's a more controlling form of fiat, but it's still trying to create money out of thin air. Yep. And it just fails. I hope to God. Um, I don't know how to fight that at every turn, but I encourage everybody to do so. Do, <laughs> you, do you think that the, the competition that we're seeing with money now, right? So we have Bitcoin. We have Monero. We have a bunch of other cryptos. Uh, we obviously we have fiat. We have you know CBDCs that are, are potentially being launched. Do you think governments w are going to be forced to compete with these other technologies, and because of that, they'll start to design these CBDCs or whatever they are in ways that maybe uh, do uh, start to to cater towards people's needs of sound money and, and you know, uh, private I money? I don't, personally, maybe I'm too too uh, tarnished at this point, but I don't think that's what drives them. I think it's the- But are they going to be, are they going to be forced to, you know, because, uh, or else everybody, you know, opts out, leaves the system and starts using Bitcoin and Monero. Because of that, are, are they going to my, my design their systems to be uh, more attractive toward, towards people that, that don't want their money to be inflated yeah, I away? I think the answer to that question depends on how safe decentralized crypto is from government control, uh, influence, et cetera. If they are truly uh, protected, if they are truly immune, if you will, uh, from government control, then they will be forced to compete. Mm -hmm. um, if the government has some way to put them under their thumb and say, no, our way or the highway, um, the government's gonna be successful uh, and it's not gonna go the way we want. Mark, what do you think? I think they will be forced to compete, yeah, over a long enough time frame. The one thing that uh, people miss, is this is a lot of nuance, but uh, over what time frame? Over one year, five years, 100 years, or whatever. Uh, but we know that fiat money is doomed to fail. Every fiat currency that's ever existed has failed. Yeah. Uh, the trajectory that we're on is failing really fast, and it doesn't have a lot more life left in it. The only chance the government will ever have to get any trust back into a fiat currency is if they back it with something. They're going to have to go back to some sort of a sound, promise some sort of a sound monetary policy. It's the only way. Um, and so they won't do it because they want to by any means. They won't do it because they're good. Sure. They'll only do it by force, force to compete to your point. Um, and what I would also say back just to the CBD thing, I think that CBDCs actually would be probably a good thing, like a gateway drug, if you will, um, because what happens is still today for some reason, uh, maybe a lot of older people specifically, but they think like there can't be any value in this digital thing. If it's, if it's not tangible, if I can't hold it in my hand, it's not real, which is ridiculous because about 80% of all transactions are uh, dollar transactions Already. are done digitally, digital anyway. Uh, but for some reason they still have this viewpoint. And I think well, once CBDCs come out, 
And as bad as I think they are, to your point, spawned by Satan or whatever, I agree. <laughs> um, if the Fed said, hey, download this wallet and we'll give you $1,000 of CBDC, I will download it. I'll take a thousand, like why not, right? But what, what will then happen is then I'll use that, I'll see that it's legitimate, I'll start using that transaction system, and then I'm gonna go, well, why is it that these digital dollars continue to buy me less and less goods and services, but Bitcoin buys me more and more goods and services, uh, maybe I should switch over. So I think it gives it an uh, air of legitimacy. So I think it's a gateway drug, uh, and, and to the point I made, I think that nation states will be forced to compete um, to try to stay relevant, but eventually they'll lose and they won't be relevant. I hope he's right. Agreed. No, I, I see you playing out that way too. I mean, I, I think it's just going to move more people into into crypto because they'll essentially already be using crypto then at that point. But just without, and, and, without and, all the And benefits. I would just say, um, obviously, you know, uh, we agree on 98% of the stuff. I like Bitcoin. You like Monero. I agree that you know there could be different use cases. And I like but, but but as a as a freedom as a freedom maximalist, like I want I, I want freedom. I believe that competition brings better service, better products, better prices. And I think that uh, you know for me, I've been talking about something I call the battle for the fate of humanity, which I think the battle for the fate of humanity is in the next five years. And I say, if not Bitcoin, then what? Because I don't see another option. Uh, I would like to see people continue to try new things because we need a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Like if to your point, Bitcoin fails because of any of the number of reasons that you bring up, if it fails, I sure as heck hope there's a, another thing to go into. Mm -hmm. uh, if you stop evolving, it's the definition of being dead. So Yeah, we, we, we want these competing technologies yeah. for sure. That's gonna help ensure one of them will succeed. Yeah. All good um, stuff. And, and, I, and, uh, and I'm all for it. Don't, and, don't, don't think that I'm negative to anything mm -hmm. crypto. I, I am pulling hard. I, yeah, I just, and I'm and not also the guy to, 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 to sell them or whatever. I'm I'm pulling hard for this to be. Successful. Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind is that, and I, I hope most people listen to this will get this. Is that um, I guess you know, in your words, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, I think that Bitcoin's a better option. I think Monero is a better option. That's fine. Um, but I also own real estate. I also own gold. Yep. I also keep a good amount of cash. I'm about thirty percent cash right now today. So like, I own lots of things. <laughs> I own businesses, mm -hmm. I own equipment, right? And so um, we, you know, I'm not a one trick pony. I think it takes more than that to succeed. Uh, the future's uncertain and we deal with uncertainty with optionality. So we need options for that. 100%, 100%. And I, I think Hayek, right? We'd always talk about the need for, for monies to compete, right? And then the best, the best will win. Um, because it's emergent, right? right. That's, how, that's how gold won, it was right. the best. Right, uh, yeah, 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 no, we, I think, Ultimately, we like you said, we, we all of us it here agree on, on, on ninety-eight percent of things. Yeah. Just to, to yeah to come full circle. So we we've seen we've seen Bitcoin and crypto in generally you know plummet recently in price. Um, that potentially is eroding away at its store of value, uh, a value proposition. Right, this this idea that Bitcoin is is a good store of value. Uh, gold has, you know, stayed steady or perhaps gone up. Um, do you think that's starting to then potentially change the narrative of what Bitcoin is or like how how uh, Bitcoin is being marketed? Uh, is, is Bitcoin now going to move away from the store of value argument and move towards the transactional? Just, just curious, given the current market and like so, if the price uh, continues to go down, is there some point where the store of value argument like completely gets gets crushed so i think um again it's 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 an evolution and so um when, whenever you're looking at a technological revolution you have to allow it time to evolve and so if we look at even just a technology not a revolution but a technology like uber for example you invest into uber but it has no uh, daily mark to market price for a decade because imagine if you did it would be like right yeah. Um, and even still, Uber's super volatile. I mean, look at the price of the stock today. Um, and so I would say, one, I think zoom out. So we can say that, sure, Bitcoin's down 65% from its all-time high. We could also say it's up 450% in the last 24 months. <laughs> so, like, what time period do you want to look at it? We could also say it's up 18% in the last week. Sure, sure. Well, it's up 18%. Well, no, it's down 65%. Well, it's up 450%. Like, so we can argue over these time frames. So I think um, what I would say to the people that have that viewpoint of it's not a good store value because look how much it's down off of its all-time high, I would say, well, look at the last 12 years. It's made a lower high every year. There's only been one year that the low has been lower. It was 2015. But the lowest point every year has gone up. Um, a higher low. 
It's been at a higher low every yeah. year, right? So if you zoom out and go, well, actually it's been a great store of value, it's just volatile within those periods. And so most people would know, like uh, they've always heard like, well, don't buy real estate unless you plan to hold it for at least five years, because there's like a cycle typically. Um, well, there's never been a point where Bitcoin's been down for more than three. So don't buy Bitcoin unless you plan to hold it for three years. So what's your store of value? Well, I want to store my value for 30 days. Well, it's probably not the best store of value for 30 days. I want to store my value for five years. Well. Historically, it's crushed any other asset over a five-year period. So um, if you have the right viewpoint, if you can zoom out, you can think longer term, store a value, five plus years, okay, it's, it's, been, it's been phenomenal and nobody could argue that. In, in 30 days, it's not the best store value. Nobody should think of storing value for 30 days. That's like a cash account. I'd suggest what we're seeing is it's going through price discovery. Um, and you know, the markets will eventually determine what a Bitcoin is worth in other units of measure. So it's going through natural price discovery. And that's that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, 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 so. sure. All right, what, what, where, where was Monero's high, by the way? Was it also in November of last year? Uh, yeah, same time. I think around the same time. Yeah, yeah what, what was that high point? 500. 500? Yeah. And what's it at today? Uh, like 130, I, I think. So it's down yeah. like 80%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same. Uh, it, it fared better than a lot of other cryptos. Um, it's starting to, to trend up again against Bitcoin. So what happens is as the uh, as the market caps get bigger, it gets less volatile. Sure. So Bitcoin had a 95% drawdown, had an 85% drawdown, had an 80%, a 75%, now it's a 65%, right? So the drawdowns get uh, smaller over, over time, it trends over time, you know? Uh, I will say there's never been another crypto asset that's made a second all-time high priced in Bitcoin. Uh, the only yeah, the yeah. only one mm -hmm. is Dogecoin, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's because of Elon Musk right. and whatever. But yeah. that's the only one. But there's right. never been another crypto, not Monero, not Ethereum, yeah. not Solana. That's a good point. They've made an yeah. all-time high priced in Bitcoin, and they've never had a second all-time high, which means they're all, dare I say, kind of pump and dump. I, I'd say keep your eye on Monero in that regard. That's an important to look at yeah. it that way and look at it a slightly different way, I guess. Uh, I could say the same thing similarly about gold. So right now, you know, gold is down so far this year, what, about 6.8% as of this morning. Uh, had a big hit yesterday. It was about five. Um, so it's deflating less than other asset classes right now uh, so far this year as the, the Fed tries to pull liquidity out of the market. Um, but that's in dollars. Dollar is up 12% this year. Um, none of us, I don't think, would say that the dollar is a strong currency. Um, but compared to everything else, it's the best looking horse in the glue factory. Um, the least dirty shirt in the hamper. Um, so the, the bottom line is that the, against those headwinds, gold is still doing a pretty damn good job mm -hmm. considering it has typically been the alternative to gold or to, to the dollar. Um, if you look at gold price in other currencies, which is kind of what you're saying, uh, we're seeing all-time highs, all-time highs. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, it's really the dollar that you know we're focused on right now, and I think that's all because of the Fed, and that could be a whole other show. Yeah, but that that goes but, back to like now now you're trying to compare things against fiat currency. So what I'd rather look at is exactly. is uh, gold compared to the average home price or gold compared to the barrel well, and of if oil you do price. That, and if and you do that, you're going to see that gold has been right. fairly over, constant over the, in terms of purchasing years, power, so. which is and, and, and the that's why, for gold. And that's why looking at cryptos compared to cryptos kind of makes sense, yep. you know? Does. Uh, I'm just saying that was a good analogy. Yeah. You should look at it from different angles. Yeah. It's important to do that. I mean, me, me personally, I'm, I'm less interested in the price and more interested in adoption. So and, and what I, I we look both the, agreed the, on yesterday the transaction is that count even if the price continued to slide down, or let's say the price stayed and it never went back up, mm -hmm. the network still works. Yeah. So the use case of it, well, me being able to hold my money in a way that can't be seized and me being able to transact with you, regardless of what the US dollar price is, it still works. Yes. And that's the most important right, thing. Right. Yeah, so like Monero's transaction count at an all-time high. Monero transactions versus Bitcoin transactions continue to go up. So it's, it's getting a larger and larger share uh, of transactions against Bitcoin. It's at like 10% now. I mean, th those are the numbers that interest me most because the, the dollar value is certainly, certainly indicative of, of adoption as well, but there's a lot of speculation attached to that yeah. way beyond uh, the, the actual usage of, of, the, of the technology. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Is there any, any last comments you, you want to make before we close it out? Uh, I mean, what I'd, what I'd close it out with is, as I said, kind of I, I alluded to, is I, I believe we're going into the battle for the fate of humanity, and I believe it's going to head uh, in about the next five, within the next four to five years, 2025-ish. 
And, and that means that either the nation state is able to uh, put the CBDCs in place, build a social credit score system, and maybe prevent a revolution from ever happening again, or they lose, they lose control of the money system, we have a new monetary system, and they don't ever have the money to ever try to build a surveillance jail for us ever again. And so we either have permanent freedom or permanent slavery in front of us, it's that important to me. Um, and uh, that's why I don't want to fight with you. We're both, no, 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 I agree. I mean, look what's no, I, I know. Opt I know. out of dystopia and into Monerotopia. So I, <laughs> yeah, I totally yeah. see it. But I just, but I want to, I want to put that importance there. I believe we mm -hmm. win. I believe I have massive hope. Um, I believe we win, but only if we do the work. Mm -hmm. And so I, so I encourage everyone to do the work. Um, learn, share these ideas. It doesn't take a majority to prevail, rather a small, irate minority. Keen on setting brush fires in the minds of men. That's what Sam Adams said. So let's do that, and I think we'll win. I'll, I'll say welcome to the battle. We appreciate uh, the help. Uh, Gold's been fighting an evangelistic war for years and years, trying to you know get uh, people to understand what real money is, uh, and and to fight the the falsehoods that they're getting in their belief in a fiat currency. Um, you know. Uh, we, we appreciate the extra help in educating people about sound money um, and whether it ends up being Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Monero, gold, combination of all of them, I could care less. Uh, but I think it's really, really important that uh, two things. One, uh, start thinking critically. My God, about everything you read and hear in the in the news, etc. Um, take it all in, but make up your own mind. Don't, don't just accept things as fact and fight to hold on to your civil liberties at every turn. Uh, you can give them up so easily, you will never ever get them back. Awesome, thank you so much guys, greatly thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, nice meeting you. Thank you Mark, Thanks, greatly appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to monerotalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.